Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. And if you're with us for the first time, I really appreciate you taking time to be with us as we continue today in a series that we kicked off a couple weeks ago called Let It Go. And what we're talking about in this series is simply things in our life that we have to let go of, things that we have to discard, we have to get rid of, because if we don't, it's going to hurt us personally, you know, our goals, dreams, our ambitions, but it's also going to hurt us on our spiritual journey, on our spiritual walk. So it's in our best interest that we truly let these things go. So if you're with us the first week, I'll just do a quick review. We talked about getting rid of those feelings of inadequacy, when we feel like we don't measure up. And we get those throughout our life by different things that happen. First, the criticism we receive. We're constantly getting criticism all our life. You can't do this. You'll never become this. I wish you were more like this. And we bank those things away, and we put them in our brain, and then we try to do something, those things come out. And we think, well, I'm inadequate. I can't do this, or I can't accomplish this. Then we get undeserved praise, right? Oh, you're the best. You're the greatest. You know, you're once uh, one in a million. And then we can't live up to those expectations people have for us. So then those bring on feelings of inadequacy. And then finally, the main reason is when we compare ourselves to other people. We don't feel like we measure up or compare, so that causes feelings of inadequacy. So what we walked away with that first week was knowing that God says, with Him, we're completely adequate. When we have a relationship with Christ, we are completely adequate in Him, regardless of what anybody else says or what we think. And then last week, we had a lot of fun because we talked about letting go of our right to be offended. And we're all offended. You know, people were telling me from last week they walked out and they were offended immediately when they went to a store because all the students were in there or, or whatever. But we learned that instead of living life through our own pride, through our own ego, through what we think is right or the right way to go, instead, the better option is to live our life out of the grace that Christ gives us. And then when we do that, we're going to give people mercy, right? We're not going to label people, and um, we're going to forgive people. We're going to forgive people the way that we've been forgiven. And if we can do those things, living out of the grace and being merciful and forgiving people, then it's going to be really, really difficult for us to become offended. It's kind of an antidote to being offended. So that's where we've been so far. Today, I want to talk about giving up our need to control everything. Because the truth is, we all want to control our lives, and we want to control different aspects of our life. Truth be told, there's a little bit of control freak, if you will, in every single one of us, depending on what it is that we desire to control. So I'm going to ask you to do something as we go through today. I just want you to think about something. I'm not asking you to share it with anybody. Don't, for heaven's sake, don't share it with your spouse. But um, as we're thinking about this, what is the one thing that you have to have control of in your life? And I want you to think about that. In other words, what's the one thing that you could never see yourself giving up control of? You may say, well, you know, Scott, after today, maybe I can give up control of some things, but this one thing, 
there's no way I'm giving up control of that. What is it? Maybe it's money or, or finances. Maybe it's, you know, giving up control of your kids in the direction that they go in life or giving up your health or, or, or control of your fitness or your future or your work life or your home life. But all of us have something that we're trying to control, multiple things usually, and there's, there's usually one or two. It's like, there's no way I'm giving up control of that. But think about some of the things that we do try to control in life, that we try to control every single day. We try to control what people think about us, right? Whether they accept us in life, we try to control whether they like us. We try to control people's actions at times or their attitudes at time. We'll try to control other people's feelings or, or sometimes other people's beliefs and what they believe about life. We try to control people's thoughts. We try to control our friends. We, we definitely try to control change and the change that's going on around us. But what's the hot button for you? And I just want you to think about that as we go through today, because all of us, we want to control something. Maybe for you, you're, you're the money person in the family, and you got to control that. Every single dollar that's spent, you have to have an accounting of that. You need to know why that money was spent, you know, and, and then you got to go look at the budget, and you got to plug it in right then, you know, that day. I got to do this. But if it's something maybe that's not financially related, you don't care. But if it's around finances, I got to have control of that. Now, in, in my house with my wife, Lisa, and I, she kind of lets me run with some of those bigger decisions. I mean, we'll talk about it and discuss it, but she's like, you know, just make a decision and we'll move on. But if it comes to like the house or a home project, believe me, she's going to be involved. Heaven forbid you hang a picture on the wall and it's in the wrong spot. I mean, it could be in the wrong spot by four inches, but it's in the wrong spot. Believe me, you will move that picture and then you'll repair the hole that you already put in the wall the first time you hung it. She cares about that stuff. Other things, not so much. So what is it for you? And as we go through today's talk, we do have some, some notes available. You can use them if you want to. You can get them on the Church Center app. You can go to blueridgechurch.net or you can scan the QR code uh, on the lower uh, part of the screen and you can get our notes. But if you had to really sum up the things that you and I try to control into two categories, they would be this. And it's our first learning today. We try to control people and we try to control circumstances. Overarching, those are the two main buckets that you and I are constantly trying to control. Think about how we try to control people. You know, maybe there's somebody in your life and there's just one or two things about that person that you're trying to control. They need to change this because this drives you crazy. This aspect of this person, this characteristic of this person, it's just something you don't like. And so we kind of play God in their life and we try, to, we try to change that, right? And if you're married, you perfectly understand what I'm talking about. But you want to help that person to see what you see and you want to help that person do what you want them to do. And and so what we'll do is we'll, we'll kind of manipulate people, especially like our, our kids, we'll bribe them. Hey, if you change this, you know, here's, here's the reward. Or so we'll offer incentives if they'll do something, or we'll take away incentives if they don't. But 
before we even realize it, what we're doing is we're trying to control people. We're trying to manipulate their behavior, whether it's a coworker, whether it's that neighbor, you know, in our neighborhood, whether it's one of our kids or even our grandkids. We really believe that we know what's best and that we should control the people that are around us. But the other area we try to control is we try to control circumstances, right? What people think about us, what they believe about us. We want our lives to be just perfect, our house to be just perfect. We want that image to be perfect. We want those kids, when they go out into public, to be, you know, the best possible representation of us, you know, that they can be. We want to control our workplace. We want to control our schedules. We want to control our future and our wealth, all kinds of things you and I are trying to control. So why is that? Why do we constantly feel the need to control everything around us in life? And I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit last week. We think we know what's best, right? We're we're doing things in our best interest instead of relying or trusting in God, and we feel like, I got to control these things. I know the best plan and the best course for my life. I know the best plan and the course for my kids, my spouse. So we try to control these things. Because again, we make life all about us. But let's look at a popular verse in the Scripture. Some of you probably know this verse very well. You probably have it put to memory. But it's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, that's a great verse. That is great advice from the Lord. But unfortunately, that verse really doesn't line up very well with our need for control. It's saying that we need to trust God, but we'd rather not trust in the Lord with all our heart. We'd rather lean on our own understanding. We'd rather seek what we want to do without any direction from God. So when it comes to control, God says something different than the way we live our lives. And as we go through today too, it's going to be really hard for us personally to see our own need for control, right? We can see it easy in somebody else, You can see it in your spouse and all these things that, you know, she needs to control or he needs to control, but it's really hard for us to see our own control issues. That's why you got to keep fresh in your mind what is that one or two things that you could never see yourself giving up control of. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some examples in Scripture of where people in the Bible tried to control either the circumstance or other people, and it really did not go very well for them. And the first example I want to look at is, it's a story in the Old Testament, two main characters in the Old Testament, and their names are Abram and Sarai. Now, you've probably heard them referred to as Abraham and Sarah, but God doesn't change their names to Abraham and Sarah until after he makes a covenant that we're going to talk about with them. But there's multiple times when you read about the life of Abram and Sarai, that they tried to control their situation when they were in Egypt. And then when God, probably the greatest example is when God came to them and said, hey, you're going to be the father of a great nation and the mother of the great nation. You are going to give birth to a son and the descendants 
of your son are going to be as numerous as the sand is on the seashore, as the stars are in the sky. God comes to him and he makes him this promise. But what's interesting about this story is when God comes to Abram and Sarah and tells them they're going to have a child, they're childless. They haven't had a child. They have been trying for years and they couldn't have a baby. And then all of a sudden, God comes along and he says, hey, you're going to give birth and your offspring is going to be a great nation. There's going to be so many offspring from your offspring, we won't be able to count them. That's the promise God makes to them. But like a lot of times when God shows us something in our life, he doesn't always deliver right away, right? He doesn't do it immediately. And God doesn't fulfill this promise he's made to Abram and Sarai immediately. And over time, they did exactly what many of us do, and they tried to take control of the situation. They tried to control their own future and their own destiny. And what they did is they stepped over God's promise. And they got ahead of God's promise, and they weren't willing to wait on God. Let's look at that. Genesis 16. Very first book of the Bible. It's on the side screens. Genesis 16, starting in verse 1. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Let's just stop right there for a minute. In other words, what Sarah says is, hey, I know God promised us a child, but he's not doing it. He's certainly not doing it in our time. We're old. We need to get on with this. Therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take control of this situation, and I'm not going to rely on God anymore. That's essentially what she was saying. I'm going to take control. And we read on to what happened. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarah with contempt. Now, if anybody in here works for Netflix, here's your next series. You're welcome. Right here it is in the Scripture. I mean, this is crazy. And what we don't really have time to to discuss in great detail today is the chaos that this one decision has caused for century after century after century. And it is still going on today. And if you read on, you find out that Hagar gives birth to a son by the name of Ishmael. And then God comes through with the promise to Abram and Sarai, and they give birth to a son by the name of Isaac. And the tension between these two boys, Ishmael and Isaac, it's literally off the charts. And that tension still exists to this day. 
All you got to do is go look at the nation of Israel in Palestine and the tension and the wars and the fighting that's still going on today because the descendants of Ishmael are the Palestinians and the descendants of Isaac are the people that live in Israel. And it still exists to this day, all because Abram and Sarah wanted to control their destiny. They wanted to control the future. They wanted God's plan fulfilled right then and there in their life. And I know what some of you are thinking, all right, man, move on. I get it. I'm not going to go home and try to have a baby with my maidservant. As a matter of fact, Scott, I don't even have a maidservant, so I'm good. I'm good there. But here's what you might do. You might settle for something that's not in God's plan and God's purpose for your very own life. Could be marriage. Could be a relationship. You see time going by. You see other couples get married. You want to start your family. You want to have a kid. You want to get married. You want to get a place to live. And so what you do, instead of waiting on God's timing and seeking God's understanding and will in that, you force something. You take control. Well, he'll be all right. I think that's what my wife finally figured out when she was marrying me. She said, well, he's good enough. I'm just going to settle for him. No, but that's what we do. We get in front of God. Oh, she'll be just fine. He'll work out. I'm going to make this happen because I'm ready. My timing is now, and I'm ready. And so we force something, or we settle for something that's short or less than God intended for our life. Or we try to manipulate something, or we, or we compromise, or, or we don't follow God's Word as it's spoken or as it's written, right? We, we, we twist God's word to, ah, I think he really meant this, and I really think I'm okay doing this, and we get out of God's will. We overstep the promises that he has in our life, and then we'll try to justify it by whatever our behavior is at the time. So we got to ask that question, and we just got to be honest with ourselves on that question. What is it that I'm not willing to let go of? What is it that I'm not willing to give control up on in my life? And just be honest with your answer. It could be your very own children, and you're trying to control them. You're trying to manipulate them. I want them to do this. I want them to, to be here. It could be your grown children. It could be your grandchildren. It could be somebody that you work with. It could be, could be the image. I'm trying to control my image. I'm trying to control what people think about me. But what is it you're trying to control? And some of you are thinking, well, this is dumb. I'm not doing that. I'm not thinking about what it is I want to control. I'm not playing your game, Scott. And that's fine. You don't have to play along. You're just simply proving my point. You want to be in control, right? It's all of us. There's certain things in our life we just want to control. So how do we let it go? How do we determine what we should control and what we shouldn't control and the things we shouldn't control? How do we let those things go? And I think the very first thing when it comes to anything we're trying to control or we are controlling is to ask ourselves a couple simple questions. And I've got them as learnings for today. And the first question that we should ask is this, and it's learning number two, is what I am trying to control worth my time? That's a pretty simple question. Is what I'm trying to control worth my time? 
Another example in the scripture, Martha and Mary. Jesus comes to visit Martha and Mary, Lazarus's sisters, and Martha is running around the house like a mad woman trying to get everything ready and trying to make everything. I mean, Jesus is coming to lunch. That's a pretty big deal, right? And she's trying to get everything ready, and, and she brings it up to Jesus that Mary hasn't helped her with anything. Hey, Jesus, you know, Mary has been, she's been on the couch all day watching Netflix suits on Netflix. She hadn't helped me to do this or that. Could you ask her to help me? It kind of, the story kind of went down like that. But the bottom line, Martha said, she's not helping me a bit. Can you please address this? And I love what Jesus says to Martha because I am Martha. I am the Martha. You can ask Lisa, I'm the Martha in our house. And, and here's what Jesus says in Luke 10, 41 and 42. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. How many of us are worried about the details and things, honestly, that really aren't worth our time? So many of the things in life that I'm trying to control and you're trying to control, they're just not worth our time. They're not worth the stress that they cause. So the next time you're trying to figure out, is this something that I need to control? Ask yourself that question, is it even worth my time? I mean, does it really matter what direction the toilet paper rolls off the roll? Somebody said yes. You know, some of you, you're obsessed with the direction of your toilet paper. Just be thankful you have toilet paper, right? Does, does it matter, mom? Or dad, if your kid walks out of the house and they don't match, that their pants are striped and their shirt's striped, it doesn't really, in the whole scheme of things, matter all that much. Doesn't mean they're going to be wearing pinstripes when they grow up, right? It doesn't matter. Or how about this? Does it matter if your husband squeezes a toothpaste from the top of the tube? No. Just be glad your husband's brushing his teeth. I mean, he's progressed, right? It doesn't matter. For me, it's stuff in the house, and stuff's not put away, and it drives me crazy. But does it really matter if there's a few dishes in the sink that haven't been put in the dishwasher, or there's towels hanging over the deck, or the trash needs to be emptied? Probably not worth my time to stress about that and fret over that. It's really not worth controlling. But the bigger question we got to ask is learning number three, is what I'm trying to control really mine to control, right? Is it even any of my business? Now, sometimes the answer to that question is going to be a big fat yes. It is your responsibility to control. And sometimes the answer is going to be no, it's not your business to control. I'm not giving a blanket statement saying, well, just let go of control of everything because then we would be shirking our responsibility, right? There are certain things we have to control in life, and they are our responsibility. Like, let's say uh, your financial world's in a mess. That's your responsibility to control, right? You, you can change course. You can start getting out of debt. You can stop spending so much. You know, you could take a different job, a second job, to make some additional income to get out of that debt, you know, there's things that we can do. We could get counseling on that. 
Or maybe your marriage has deteriorated over the years. That's not something you can let go of control of. That's your responsibility, right? What what can you do? You can communicate with your spouse and you can get counseling. Sometimes it's great for us to just talk to a third party when we're struggling. We can get around other couples that are on the same journey that we are. We could serve in a group or get uh, or serve in a ministry or get in a group where there's going to be couples that want to enrich their marriage. We could lean into those couples that we know that marriage is strong and we could get advice from them, but we can do something about it. So some of the things we're going to say it is ours to control and we have responsibility there, and then other things it's not ours to control. It's not our business. And James kind of talks about that a little bit, James 4, 13 through 14. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James says, essentially, there are just some things it's not for us to control. So if I can do something about it, I will. And if I can't, I've got to let it go. I've got to trust God in those situations. Here, here's another familiar verse to a lot of you, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I love how that starts off, and we've talked about worry before, but when we worry, we are essentially trying to control something that's not ours to control. That should be a big red flag when you're worried and worried and worried. It's something you have no control over, right? But if we'll give it to God, as this verse says, then the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. In other words, we live the life that Christ intends for us to live in peace. If we will trust God, let go of control, we can have peace. I mean, think about it. Can you change your spouse? No. You think you can going into it, right? But you can't. What do you do when your wife needs changing? I have no idea. I really don't. But what can you do? You can encourage your spouse. You can pray with your spouse. You can communicate and have an adult conversation with your spouse, right? You can do all kinds of things, but ultimately, you have to trust God. Can you control the fact that your child is sick or someone in your family that you love and you cherish is sick? Can you control that? No, you can pray for them. That's part of something you can do. You can get them all the medical attention that you can possibly get them, the smartest minds in the world, but ultimately, they're in God's hands, right? And it comes a point when we've got to pass that control over and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Can you control your future or your kid's future? No. Can you prepare for it? Sure. Are there things you can do? Yeah. All right, I'm trying to control this, and I can make wise decisions. I can get counsel from 
the Lord, God, how should I go about this? What decision should I make? What direction should I go in? But ultimately, our future is in God's control. See, we try to control things that just aren't ours to control. We've got responsibility in a lot of those, but ultimately, it comes down to the Lord. Now, real quick, I want to circle back to Abraham and kind of show you what happened, you know, further on down this journey with Abraham. What did he want more than anything else? He wanted a son. What did God give him? A son. But then God came to him and he asked him to sacrifice his son. I know, it's crazy. If you didn't grow up in church or you don't know this story, but it's amazing what happens. So God promises him a son. God gives him a son. And then God says, hey, Abraham, I want you to lay down the life of your son. The son that's supposed to have so many descendants. And so Abraham, who for years and years prayed for a kid, he tells his son, hey, Isaac, we're, we're going to go up to the top of this mountain, and we're going to build an altar, and we're going to have a sacrifice for God. And Isaac carries the wood up the mountain. And halfway up the mountain, Isaac looks at him and says, hey, Dad, where are we going to get an animal to sacrifice to God? And Abraham looks at this son that he so deeply loves more than anything in the world, and he says to him, the Lord will provide. Tells Isaac, the Lord will provide. And, and so here's this guy that wanted to control these circumstances in his life. He walks to the top of the mountain. He builds an altar out of wood. He ties his son to the altar, and he pulls out a knife to sacrifice his son. And then the angel of the Lord comes and says, hey, don't lay a hand on him. I see that you trust in God. And about that time, Abraham looks over, and in the bushes is a ram stuck by his horns. And, and here's, I'll read it to you, Genesis 22, 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. He told his son walking up the hill, the Lord will provide. He trusted God. And the point we have to take away is when Abraham finally gave up control, when he finally surrendered control, God provided. And for us, that's our story today, a lot of us. We have to give up control. God will provide. God knows what's best. He's going to take care of us. He's got a greater purpose and a greater plan for our life than some of us can even see. But for a lot of us, we're trying to control things. They're just not ours to control. And when we do that, what do we do? We go back to that worrying. We're full of fear. We're full of anxiety. We're discouraged. God never intended for us to control every single aspect of our life. So if you forget everything I say today, let's remember learning number four, God is always our provider. If we will surrender control and we will trust him and not lean on our own understanding, he's going to provide. We need to let go 
of our need to control things. God will ultimately give us whatever we need. And when we pass over that control, what do we get? Remember what we get? We get peace. A peace that transcends all of our understanding. And that's what I want in my life is peace. That's what you want in your life. But those things that aren't worth our time to control or that we shouldn't be controlling, we need to give those to the Lord. So as we pray today, I want you to just kind of picture yourself giving those to God. Just make a commitment, God, I'm going to give you control of whatever it is that we're trying to control. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you are in control, that the world really doesn't rest on our shoulders like we think it does, that our family, our kids, our financial situation doesn't really rest on us, it rests on you. We have to trust you. God, forgive us when we take control from you and then we don't want to give it back. Help us to experience that peace that you promise and to truly trust you with our lives and every aspect of our life. And as we're praying, whatever it is you've been holding on to, why don't you just put that on God's plate? Just dump it on him. Let it go. Give him control. Say, God, I'm trusting you completely in this situation, in this circumstance, with this person. And God will take it, and he'll give you peace. He's the only one capable of handling it. And I know there's others of us, as we're praying, you're, you're still trying to control your own life. You're trying to control your attitude. You're trying to control your behavior so that God will look favorably on you, that he'll approve you. Listen, Christ already set the path for that. Let me just take some of that burden off of you and let you know Jesus has already done that for us. He came to this earth. He paid for my sin and your sin, all of our shortcomings, all of the places that we fall short. He's already paid for that, all of our sins. All you got to do is turn your life over to him. You have to give him control of your life. And when we have a relationship with Christ, we get our sins forgiven. We get an eternal home in heaven when we leave this earth, but we get our purpose for living today. So why don't you give him control this morning? Just invite him into your heart. Just open up your heart. Pray out of the quietness of your heart. Say, Jesus, I know I have been in control and trying to control, and I'm not doing a great job. I want you to control my life from now on. As best I know how, I'm inviting you in to be Lord of my life. Come into my life and change me. And the Lord will do that. He's just waiting on you. Lord, again, this week, as we start to pull that control back from you, make us aware of that. And help us to trust you, to lean not on our understanding, but to lean on you. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple real quick things before we close. If you did invite Christ into your life today for the first time, would you just do me a a favor and fill out a connection card and let me know that? I promise I won't show up on your doorstep, but I want to send you something that will help you with some next right steps uh, in your journey with Christ. Best decision that you can absolutely make in your life is giving him full control. The other thing I want to remind you of is next Sunday, one service, Celebration Sunday, 11 o'clock 
here at the church. We'll celebrate child dedication, baptism, uh, communion together as a church family. We'll have worship. Uh, when we celebrate baptism, if, if you want to be baptized at the river, this is the only time of the year we get to do that because we only have one service. We're going to meet the people that want to be baptized in the river at 9 over at Bissett Park at the boat landing, and then we'll join the rest of the church at 11 and those people celebrating baptism inside. But you can sign up for that on your connection card, or you can just stop by the hub and say, hey, I want to be baptized. Now, sometimes I'll get a question. People will come up and say, well, Scott, I was, you know, I was baptized as an infant. Do I need to be baptized again? And, and that's a tough question, but the way I always answer that, I say, you know, just be baptized like the examples in the Scripture, right? And the, and the examples in the Scripture was after someone made the decision to follow Christ, they were baptized. In other words, they made that decision. Infant baptism, somebody made that decision for you in faith so that hopefully someday you would grow up and personally know Christ and have a relationship with Christ. And baptized after you're a believer in no way, shape, or form undermines what your parents or your grandparents or your aunt and uncle did for you. It's really the culmination of what they hoped and prayed would happen in your life is that you would come to know Jesus. So if you'd like to be baptized, you can sign up to do that. Child dedication, uh, you know, since we don't do infant baptism, we do child dedication. And what is that? That's when mom and dad make a commitment before God and before the church that they're going to raise their kids in a Christ-centered home. So that hopefully what? The outcome is someday that child invites Christ into their life. And there's also a commitment part from the church during child dedication where the church is going to do everything and anything they can to influence that child's life in a positive way for Jesus. We're going to teach them about Jesus and show them the love of Christ. So either one of those uh, that you would like to do next Sunday, please sign up to do that. Thank you again for being here. If you're traveling, uh, you know, and not going to be here next Sunday, enjoy that time with family, with friends. Uh, some of you are going to be up really late and you won't make it until 11 anyway, hopefully with a W in your pocket for a victory on Saturday night, but I digress. I hope you have a great Sunday, great Labor Day. God bless you guys.